apple trees are around me. I hear a killdeer off in the distance. It is always nice to be on a farm, especially on a beautiful Idaho morning like this one. I'm at the Redox Research Farm, learning more about how this place helps farmers succeed. The work of dedicated researchers continues to play a major role in the abundant, high-quality food available in our country. Rarely does this work get much attention, but in this episode, we'll do just that. Welcome to Redox Grows, an in-depth look at key issues affecting farmers. I'm your host, Jim Morris from Redox Bionutrients. Patience and perseverance are part of the DNA in agriculture, and one of the prime examples of that comes from research done to support growers. I'm visiting with Gifford Gillette, head of science at Redox. Giff was raised on an Idaho potato farm. He has a BS in ecology and botany, MS in biology, and PhD in natural resources from Idaho State University and the University of Idaho. And recently, he's been developing and testing high-efficiency macronutrient technologies and biological enhancements. So, Giff, before we get to our main topic, I understand one of your past jobs was tracking Colombian sharp-tailed grouse. I've never met a grouse tracker before, so I have to ask you, how was that experience? Oh, it was so fun going through that process of learning about sharp-tailed grouse and how they use, uh, actually, they rely on an agricultural program called the Conservation Reserve Program. And in Idaho, that is the largest area for uh, acres and so we had a wildlife species that was reliant upon an agricultural program and that passion started on a sugar beet field when I would hoe beets or pull out weeds in the sugar beets and see uh, birds that were very similar to sharp-tailed grouse such as pheasants and it just started a very interesting uh, passion to learn more about how they survived in an agricultural setting. You make a good point too. There is a lot of wildlife that is supported by farms, so I, I'm glad you tied all that together. I saw a lot of that in rice country in the Sacramento Valley. So let's start with the basics on the research farm. How much land is there at your disposal? What kind of crops are we talking about? Well, here right on the research farm, we have about 20 acres that we have available to us, and that's constantly in uh, turnover, and uh, we're going through the process of utilizing that and finding the best way to make the use of the area that we have. We are here in the greenhouse and that's where the initial research begins and then we take it out onto the larger acres, first into the grow-in areas such as pots or our grow-in boxes and then out into the larger acres with one acre plot sizes here on the research farm that make up our totality of 20 acres. I was also uh, surprised to learn that turf is a very important part of what Redox does, and Todd Scott, our agronomist, does great work on that, and it's nice to see the research happening there. What is the ultimate goal of all of the research happening here? I think you hit the nail on the head. Todd is a representative for Redox Bionutrients, and he goes out and provides our clients with the things that they need, and so we bridge the gap between the grower and our crop advisors or representatives to provide what they need. And so that was also a new thing for me as well with turf and um, I've been around the, the game of golf but not around greens and so we actually recently just launched a trial with uh, three different treatment types to look at how that affects a green both on a USGA green and then a push-up green which most people play on push-up greens versus a USGA but we have that opportunity to learn and give them feedback and provide a uh, solutions for growers that is based in science to support that effort. So to get to the finish line, helping growers 
being responsible, being effective with nutrient use, helping keep agriculture strong in perpetuity. What are some of the key elements to that? Knowing where to start and being very close uh, to those that are doing the work, the growers. And so I grew up on a farm. Many of uh, our representatives grew up on a farm are very close to ag. And so we have to have a very good pulse for what's happening in that industry. And so that's a key component of knowing what those challenges are, what those needs are in order to provide the solutions that they have. And then we go from there and that's our launch pad based on what their needs are as opposed to sometimes in science it can be a little bit different. That's really what we call applied science what is needed in the industry as opposed to, oh, I have this really interesting question and I have this theoretical framework I wanna work within. We're more on the applied side of asking and answering questions. So one of the keys to applied science that helps in this industry is we talk about the four R's of nutrient stewardship and that is the right source of fertilizer or nutrient, the right rate, the right time, and in the right place. And so those four variables we're constantly tinkering with in the trials and in the research that we do are those four R's of nutrient stewardship. And we are in the greenhouse. Talk about this step. This is kind of where it all starts. Yes, this is really where we look at a lot of our rates are experimented with in the greenhouse because that isn't going to change drastically out in the field. In a greenhouse, we're controlling for a lot of variables and we're able to isolate and look at specific things like rate. And so in the greenhouse right now, that's ultimately what we're doing on corn and tomatoes where we're adjusting rates. And sometimes that can be multiple adjustments of rates. It can be adjusting the rate of our product as well as a nutrient. And usually when we talk about adjusting those rates, we're talking about efficiencies and we're trying to reduce the rates of those fertilizers inputs in the research that we do. You have a team that you work with and For every major step that we're talking about today, we'll be hearing from a team member as well. Visiting with Keegan Duncan, an intern at the Redox Research Farm. And Keegan, what are you working on today? Today we will be taking chlorophyll measurements on the corn in the farm plots, as well as setting up irrigation and planting corn in smaller pots in the greenhouse to set up new trials. The main focus there is to try to reduce our inputs of nitrogen. The reason that we want to do that is because if we can reduce rates of nitrogen, we can reduce the cost for growers. And if we can increase yield while doing that, then it's a win-win for everybody. We're also doing the same thing on the tomatoes in the greenhouse. You are a student at Utah State. Uh, Book learning is, of course, very important. You're an ag student. How important is it to get in the farm and actually do things with your hands? Obviously, I have learned a lot at school, and I'm still continuing to learn. But it's a very different side of things when you get to see it and see it work. When we do hands-on things at school, it's a lot of stuff that our professors already know the answers to and so it's really cool to come here and do actual testing that we're trying to make a difference in the industry and so that's that's been really cool for me. And Utah State is the Aggies I believe and they have Big Blue is that the mascot is that like Babe the Blue Ox? Yeah it's a bull but yeah they're the Aggies and Everybody bleeds blue down in Logan. Sometimes when you're at work, uh, people can get in trouble using their cell phone, but you actually had a specific purpose when you were using your cell phone, and I visited with you the other day. Can you explain? The most I use it is when I'm applying to our apple trees. We apply in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we use backpack sprayers. Sometimes we use Kubotas with spray tanks or boom sprayers. 
So for the apples, we have gone ahead and decided to use a backpack sprayer. And so we've calibrated it to where I can pull the trigger on the wand for, you know, five or six seconds, depending on which plot I'm doing. And so I use my phone out there as a timer. Oftentimes you'll see Noah and Braden walking around with their phones as well. We use it for data entry too, because it's a lot easier than carrying a laptop out there or writing it down. It saves us a lot of time in the long run. Okay, Giff, after the greenhouse, we go next to potted plants. What's happening here? Yeah, we scale up and go from a smaller size pot to a larger pot, and then we introduce other variables like natural light and wind and abiotic factors that influence plants, and that allows us to get more to the applied side of things. We can control variables and maybe get a response in a greenhouse, but will we get the same response out in Mother Nature? And uh, having them in pots or in even a larger setting after that would be a growing box where we're talking about a three-gallon pot and then moving into a growing box, which is going to be four feet by four feet and, and three feet in height. And so we're talking about a lot of soil and just increasing that scale. And those are probably the last steps that we take to isolate and make sure we're confident in our responses based on what we apply to a plant before we take it to a larger scale in the one-acre plots on the research farm. Before we head to the larger plots, I visited with another team member working in this area. I'm speaking with Noah Masoner, Assistant Manager of Research and Landscaping. Noah, thanks for your time. Tell me a little bit about some of the work that you do here. We make the mixes for every application that we do here. We have to be very accurate on those applications or else our research is in vain. I also do lots of like taking care of irrigation, having to do little side projects, little honeydews here and there, weeding, just taking care of the overall landscape, making sure this place is looking great and is fully functional and operational. I'm looking at some uh, items in pots. Tell me a little bit about what's going on here. Right now there are five separate trials going on here. We have around 250 apple trees here. They're Honeycrisp apples. We're trying to do a nutrient efficiency test, uh, well, application, that um, we're trying to boost root production make those roots spread so they can get all the water they can. We're also doing an abiotic stress relief, which we picked out the, all the trees that we're doing the worst. <laughs> They're in really rough shape, so we're trying to bring those back. I've seen you and the crew running around. There is a lot to do, but everything looks great, and it's also very important. How valuable is this? What is the ultimate goal with this research? To make life for all farmers easier, better, uh, make the yields in all of our farming more fruitful, make everything more efficient in all of the aspects of agriculture that we can help improve. And just a short distance away, we're getting closer to the final step. We're in the field in what more closely resembles a commercial planting. So what's happening out here, Giff? Coming from the pots and the growing boxes, this year we happen to be focusing on apples. And every year that's kind of dynamic based on the resources we have available and the plants that are available and the questions that people, particularly our reps, but also growers have that we can help address. So here in the apple orchard, we have a number of different treatments going on that allow us to evaluate abiotic stress on Honeycrisp apples. Abiotic stress deals with problems that can arise from conditions like drought, heat, cold, and soil salinity. 
A short distance from the apple orchard is another crop getting attention from the Redox team. I'm visiting with Braden Bowen, research technician, and what are you up to today? Today I'm doing a chlorophyll measurement on our corn plot. This is our Rutarx corn plot trial. And so we have a few different trials going out through here and some un untreated plants. And so what I'll do is I'll take chlorophyll measurements with our instrument here and then take 10 per row and average those out. Through the instrument, you're able to see different numbers. Anything past the 50% is a good measurement on a chlorophyll. With RootRx, what we're doing here in our trial is to strengthen throughout the plant, and so that way our corn stays up stronger, it creates better yield, and you're gonna have a stronger plant overall. A lot of work being done here. What do you like about all this? One of my favorite things about working here at Redox has been just the atmosphere of the people and the research that goes into what we do. I love doing the research. I'm really interested in what we're doing, and it's been a great experience overall. There's so much work being done here, work that will pay off handsomely for growers far and wide. And the person in charge of all the research says all of that effort, all of the hours, all of the labor by the team is well worth it. We're now towards the final part of all of the research efforts, which take a lot of patience. What is the final step where you can confirm all of the work you've done to this point. Basically gather around the table and look at the data and decide on those four R's of nutrient stewardship if we have identified those and we have the data to support that going to the field and into a real growers program. That is ultimately the goal is to be able to get the response. Typically the response that a grower is looking for is an increase in yield, but especially in perennial crops, the quality of that yield, the quality of that apple or orange or almond uh, or potato, what have you, is a, an important component to that too. And so we do have different metrics that we, we look at uh, depending on the, the interest. The final step in all of this is actually taking it commercially to see if it works at a still larger scale. Can you comment a bit about that and how important that step is? That's uh, one last step an, or an extension in the research that's done as part of Redox. Internally, we go through this process on our research farm. Once we have a protocol or a program that we're comfortable and confident in, then we're going to expend some money. As we go to an independent researcher, then we're looking to see if we give them the program and under their soil conditions and under their water chemistry and under their environmental factors and in their scenarios to see if they get the same answer. And so if we can build and we get the same story and the same answer in the greenhouse in our larger scale operations on the research farm and then from an independent researcher, then we know we have something that we have done our homework on and we've utilized the right resources available to us in order to use less and produce more in agriculture. Patience is a virtue. I know in looking at rice research in my past job, it would take 10 years approximately, sometimes more for new varieties, including Calrose, America's sushi rice. How important is patience in the work that you do? It's a fundamental component of doing science. Plants don't grow particularly fast and especially when you're dealing with perennial crops many of those trials are three years before we can really get the information to and to know if we're having an impact based on the program being applied and so on annual crops we can get information back uh, 
perhaps quicker. And sometimes you could argue that maybe because we get more turnover and we get information back faster, those annual crops, we might, they, they in a lot of ways, play an important role to uh, in our education and learning since we can learn more in a shorter amount of time. But even in those scenarios, we're talking three to six months of, of hard work and uh, preparation in order to learn what, what we need to to guide the way forward. And unfortunately, things don't always go right. But is there learning that can happen if things don't quite go according to the plan? Absolutely. And in, in science, there are mistakes that are made and you learn things that maybe weren't in the textbook or in part of the theory that was driving your process. We don't have a perfect understanding. That's why in science we don't prove anything because we can't understand all scenarios and and prove that out. And so a mistake can really be beneficial because it might cause us to think outside the box. That was a response that we didn't expect to see from the plant. And then we go back and we ask the questions, well, what was happening? What was the pressure that the plant was facing at that time? What were the conditions that we were growing under? Why was it different than another scenario when we thought we had the same thing going on? And because of that mistake, or so to speak, we learn from that and then understand better about plant biology and plant uh, and soil health or the ecology that we're growing in. And you have four boys. Nash has been here. He's been working. Uh, my family, I've tried to do the same thing, get them out in a farm environment so they can appreciate where their food comes from. How important is that to you personally for your family to, and the people around you to understand the importance of agriculture, all the hard work it takes to get the job done? It's hard to overstate how important that is just from a mental health standpoint. Um, as a scientist, I'm looking at data, I'm reading, I'm studying all the time. My office is in close proximity to the greenhouse. And so for me as a, as a human being and what drives me, I am able to satisfy the intellectual side of things, but I'm also able to get outside. I need to get outside every day in order to see what's happening in the greenhouse or in the growing boxes or on the research farm. That's good for my mental health, but it also from a more holistic standpoint for people and for my sons uh, to be able to see what goes into eating an apple or eating the vegetables and the fruit that we have and that process. And it connects us to that whole process, that whole part of food is, is essential to our lives. And at the end of the day, when there are successes through this great team we have at, at Redox, how does that make you feel that you had a part in all of that? That's Redox to me. Uh, there's an energy because of that synergy. There's talent all around us, and we're able to help each other be at our best. The research farm was built prior to my arrival by a large team especially James Harrell, the farm manager. He is front and center to what we do, really the hub of the research farm. And ultimately, uh, the part that I get satisfaction from is seeing the, the tests and the trials that we conduct to get to a program that is utilized not only by one grower, but in many different geographic regions and that is successful in many different circumstances. And knowing that we are helping agriculture to be as efficient as possible. That wraps up this episode. We appreciate Gifford Gillette, Keegan Duncan, Braden Bowen, and Noah Masoner for their time and comments. Remember, you can go to RedoxGrows.com to learn much more. Please keep listening and spread the word about this podcast. Your support is extremely helpful. Thanks for listening.